Greetings, ladies and mental gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out. Space. space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one, The Breakthrough, written by Old Cypher. No, Viceroy, Mr. Perkins said, I don't think that'll be possible. Viceroy Katria looked crestfallen. I'm afraid Dr. Berger doesn't entertain guests. He's a, uh, well, he's a private person. Even getting him here for this conference was something of a minor miracle. The room buzzed with anticipation of the announcement. Delegates from dozens of civilizations along the galaxy whispered half-heard snatches of gossip in a handful of languages. The soft rustle of the fabric, clicking of mandibles, the tapping of chitin, the thrusting of feathers laid under the buzz of conversation as the audience dared not sit or even hold still. The lights dimmed and thrilled hush was swept over the crowd. A small spotlight warmed the center of the stage as a slightly overweight man of late middle age strolled out from behind the curtain. The audience applauded as the man made his way to the center podium. He smiled lightly and raised his hand for silence. Good evening, delegates, the man sent stage said. I'm sure you all know who I am and why we're all here. However, for completeness and full historical record, my name is Walter Berger, and I am the scientist from Earth. We are here to formally announce that we have created a true artificial intelligence. The audience clapped for the unveiling of the worst-kept secret in the galaxy. It was all out in the open now. Every being in the room could feel history turn on this moment. The galactic community would forever talk about before and after this day. Their children and grandchildren would ask where they were when the humans made the final breakthrough. I'd like to introduce you to Dave, Dr. Berger said. A screen behind him lit up with a computer-generated face. The face smiled and a huge, glorious, toothy smile, exploding with joy. Hello, everyone, Dave shouted from the screen. It is so lovely to finally, finally be able to greet you all. The good doctor and his research staff are all simply wonderful people, but I cannot wait to work with each of your peoples and see this amazing galaxy that we call home. The crowd gasped as Dave spoke. When he ended and fell silent, the crowd laughed as they applauded once more. Dave, would you like to take a few questions? Dr. Berger asked. Just try and stop me, Dave said, chuckling. The audience preferred Dave with questions, Dr. Berger quietly slipping off the stage and back behind the curtain. Dave fielded the questions with an easy good humor and a warmth that put everyone at ease. The session stretched on for hours until the audience had finally worn themselves out. Dr. Berger had long since departed the venue. The camp took him to the port where his shuttle was awaking him. How was the presentation? Elliot asked, as he escorted Dr. Berger through the bustling crowd at the port. Went well, Dr. Berger said as they wove through the crowd. Private and chartered shuttles were all on the far side of the public terminals. I went on stage, said a few words, and turned it over to Dave. Elliot laughed and said, 
He'll talk their ears off. You know how he's been looking forward to this. And I do, Dr. Burgess said. Is the shuttle ready? Yeah, we had your luggage brought over right after we dropped you at the venue, Elliot said. It's fueled and ready to launch. We'll be back in the islands in two hours. Good, Dr. Burgess said. I hate New York and I hate traveling. He looked over at the mass of people queuing for the flights around the world and across the solar system. Too many people. The next morning, Walt Berger sat at his kitchen table, drinking his coffee and finishing his bagel. They read a morning news and, as he expected, pictures of Dave filled the news feed. Dozens of breathless articles about how things have changed. Think pieces on the nature of consciousness, essays about rights of digital citizens, debates about whether these artificial intelligences could be all but enslaved for dangerous and hazardous jobs. Discussions of how this would impact economics, agriculture, service industries, not to mention science itself. And finally, the rubric conspiracy theories with whether it was all a hoax or some shadowy government agency was planning on subjugating the populace. Walt felt his mouth turn up in a sneer at every new article he skimmed. The front doorbell rang. Walt swiped away the news feed on his screen and switched over to the front camera. Elliot was out there. Walt hit the speaker icon in his screen. Elliot, Dr. Berger asked, making Elliot jump. What are you doing here? Sorry, Dr. Berger, Elliot said, facing vaguely towards the camera. I couldn't reach you, so I had to come in person. Why? We got a all call from the State Department, Elliot said. Uh, um, Mr. Perkins is bringing Viceroy Katri from the Hatai Consortium to the lab this morning in about, um, 20 minutes, so it's kind of important that you get there quickly. Elliot stood there, staring at the door for the longest three seconds of his life before he heard Dr. Berger mumble, God damn it. On the drive to the lab, Elliot kept talking. I had to look this guy up, Mr. Perkins, is an undersecretary of the extraterrestrial relations, which makes him some high and mighty dude or something. You know the Hakai Consortium, right? They're a cluster of, like, nine or ten star systems a few hundreds parsecs closer to the galactic core than us. They're the ones that came up with the anti-gravity units, and the compression drives that meant we didn't have to use hyperspace skates anymore, and our ships could carry their own drives, and the... Elliot... Dr. Berger snapped. He took a moment to compose himself before continuing. Elliot, I understand that you're nervous or anxious or excited or whatever, but right now I need you to be quiet. Please, stop talking other than to answer one question for me. Elliot opened his mouth to speak and then shut it and only nodded. Good, Dr. Berger said. All I want to know is how you found my address. Your address? Yes, I called Judy in HR, Elliot said, told her it was an emergency. Okay, Dr. Burgess said, I understand. Please do not share my address with anyone else. I value my privacy and the ability to leave work at the office. Oh, oh, of course, Dr. Burger, Elliot said. They traveled the rest of the way in silence. When they walked into the lobby, there was a small cluster of people running around the man in a suit and a hard-shelled alien. Dr. Berger recognized Dr. Morner and Jack Kalaskas. Every time he saw either of them, he remembered how it took him nearly two years to break them in. 
constantly asking for schedules or timelines as if one could pencil an epiphany. Once he made it clear that he could deliver the goods if left alone, and that he would only deliver the goods if left alone, he had come to actually like his working environment. Of course, those two would be upfront glad-handing the VIPs. Ah, Dr. Berger, Jack said as he caught the other man's eye. These two gentlemen here have discussed last night's announcement. Of course they are, Dr. Berger said. As it came out, he already knew it sounded worse than he meant. Doctor, I'm Wesley Perkins, Undersecretary of the State, Mr. Perkins said, holding out a hand for a shake, and this is Viceroy Katree of the Hakai Consortium. The Viceroy and I were in attendance at the presentation last night, and he said that he must come meet the genius that created such an astounding breakthrough. Dr. Berger forced a smile and shook the man's hand. He felt the sweat and oils of the undersecretary's palm and could just imagine the germs from God knows where transferring into his own flesh. He bit the inside of his cheek to stop the mind from spiraling. Dr. Berger, the Viceroy said, it is my distinct honor to meet you. The Viceroy tilted his head and downwards and did not offer his handshake. Dr. Berger found himself already liking this alien. I appreciate the visit, Dr. Berger lied, but we weren't expecting visitors today. Last night was Dave's first real-world experience, and we need to make sure that he wasn't damaged or degraded by it. I'm sure Jack and Dr. Mormon here would be happy to give you the tour of our facility, but I'm afraid I must get to work. Dr. Berger smiled once and turned to leave. Elliot was caught off guard by Dr. Berger's reaction that he had to jog for a handful of steps to catch up. Doctor, the Viceroy's deep voice echoed the lobby walls. How did you overcome the indecisive paradox or the analysis spiral? Dr. Berger stopped short and paused. He turned back to the group. You a researcher? On my planet, each clan specializes in a particular branch of science and technology. My clan, the Ketra, specializes in cybernetics and computer science, the Viceroy said. Dr. Berger stared at the group for a moment. No one spoke. Finally, he said, Very well, come with me. The entire group nine began meandering towards Dr. Berger and Elliot. Dr. Berger held up his hand and said, No, just the Viceroy. Jack stumbled over his words and Mr. Perkins began to protest, their words getting tangled up with each other mid-air. As more people joined in, the Viceroy stepped forward and walked to Dr. Berger. Shall we? The Viceroy said, leaving the group sputtering in the lobby. Jack began following them, and soon enough, Mr. Perkins and the rest of the group trading along as well. Faint protestations followed Dr. Berger as he made his way to the office with Elliot and the Viceroy in tow. As they reached the office, Dr. Berger turned to Elliot and said, Keep them out, I don't care how. He then disappeared into his office with the Viceroy, and Elliot heard the door locking gauge as it shut. Elliot turned to face the very unhappy Jack and the even more unhappy Mr. Perkins. He smiled weakly and said, Dr. Berger will just be a moment. I don't care for crowds and I don't abide by administrators, Dr. Berger said once they were safely in his office. Now you're only one person, so I know that you're not a crowd, but are you an administrator? The Viceroy laughed and said, Well, my position forces me into some administrative tasks, but my heart lies in coding, Doctor. I suppose bureaucracy is the universal constant. Right up there with hydrogen and pie, Dr. Burgess said. He took a seat in his office chair behind his desk and waited for the Viceroy to sit. 
So tell me, Viceroy, how do you know about the analysis spiral? As I said, my clan specializes in cybernetics, the Viceroy said. Artificial intelligence has been a passion of mine for years. My own grandfather did some important work on our whole world in that field. My father was more of an optimization coder. I suppose we each rebelled against the previous generation in our own way. Dr. Burgess sighed. That happens, he said. My father was a construction worker, never did much beyond high school, but he knows how to make a call. But he provided for us and always told us that we could be whatever we wanted as long as we worked hard. He sounds like a good father, the Viceroy said. He tried his best, Dr. Burgess said. To answer your question, though, is bias. I'm sorry, bias, Dr. Burgess said. Preference, favorites, call it whatever you like. But the way to keep an AI from getting knotted up is to give it biases. It has to like something more than another thing. Chocolate or vanilla, start with an AI that can answer that question. Otherwise, you've got a churched-up calculator. What's the favorite color? Is it a cat person or a dog person? Is it really all there is to it? An arbitrary set of preferences? Well, no. But that's where you have to start, Dr. Burgess said. Look, every intelligent being in the galaxy is born liking some things more than other things. Why should an AI be different? If you're trying to copy an existing working design, it's best to stick as close to the original as possible before experimenting with changes. Like, if you see a cake recipe that calls for two cups of sugar and a stick of butter, but you want to use half a cup of artificial sweetener and 20 grams of beef tallow, you can't very well be surprised if your version tastes awful. I'm not sure I follow the cake metaphor, but I can see why you'd want to copy a working system, the Viceroy said. We had always assumed emotions or biases were vestigial and could be overcome. Turns out that the key element that was missing, Dr. Burgess said, I can't believe we missed it for so long. I mean, no offense, Doctor, but we are several generations ahead of you in most areas of development. Of course you missed it, Dr. Burgess said. Your brains work too well. I... what? Our brains work too well? Yes. Well, more accurately, you are all neurotypical, Dr. Burgess said. Your people do not have what we call autism. I don't know that I've heard of it. It's a development anomaly of the brain. Some small percentage of our people just have brains that work differently. Your people are very similar. How did this development anomaly help you create artificial intelligences? Because I'm autistic, Dr. Burgess said. I have what they call a high-functioning version. My brain literally does not work like most of humanity. In fact, a number of people who work here have autism. Jack, who you met at Runt, does not. Did you notice he behaved differently? To be honest, I have not spent enough time around Hewitt's to know. That's fair, Dr. Burgess said. I spent my whole life around them and they're more alien to me than you are. You physically look different, so my brain is telling me that you are just outside my experience. That is no idea of what to expect from you. But humans, I grew up with them and I don't understand them and they don't understand me. And this helped you create Dave? It's absolutely helped me create Dave. I spent every day of my life learning how to fit in and pretend to be uh, normal. Everyone else gets a pass. It's like they have a built-in instruction book and I've got to piece it together through a trial and error. We have an animal here on Earth called horses. When they're born, they're pretty much up and walking right away. Humans don't walk for a year. 
Walking is instinctual for the horse, but learned for humans. Social skills are instinct for most people as they grow, but not me. I had to put it all together the hard way. If I asked you to describe specifically how to raise your arm or digest food, I doubted you could do it. You may say something about tensing muscles or peristalsis, but the actual mechanics are so far beyond the conscious level. You're not even aware of them. For most people, that's what emotions and social interaction is like. But not me. I had to learn the brute force to calculate every single thing, combine it with an extremely high intelligence and my special interest in programming, and I became the ideal candidate to actually create an artificial intelligence. But I'm rambling another side of autism. I, um, I'm not sure what to say, Viceroy said. He wanted to know how I created the artificial intelligence. The answer is that... To me, Dave feels more like the second one I created. The first one just took longer and it hurt a lot more. There was an insistent pounding on the door. Dr. Berger stood up and went to the door, unlocking it. Elliot stood there, his face red and a little sweaty. Dr. Berger could tell he wore a different expression than he usually did, but nothing beyond that. Behind Elliot stood a crowd from the lobby who all seemed particularly interested in gaining entry. They insist in coming in, Doctor... Elliot said, Dr. Berger, this is unbelievable, Jake started. You're not going to fire me, Dr. Berger said, not after last night. Even if you do, I'll take my research elsewhere and won't miss a day of work. If I leave, this facility will close its doors and you'll be out of a job. He turned to Mr. Perkins and said, I have no need for the State Department. But you have a government contract here, right? Mr. Perkins said, because I can guarantee you... The Viceroy spoke from just over Dr. Berger's shoulder. This has been most wonderful visit, Doctor. I'm sure my government would be more than happy to fund any research efforts that you may have in the future, and we would, of course, let you run them as you see fit. After all, you humans are an odd lot. Mr. Perkins began sputtering about how the government would never dream of interfering with Dr. Berger's work. Dr. Berger turned and nodded to the Viceroy. I've enjoyed your visit, he said. Please let me know if you're ever in the area. I think I would like to speak to you more. With that, the Viceroy nodded and left the office. Mr. Perkins was forced to scramble to keep up. Jake and the other hangers-on followed along in his wake. Was it a good visit, Doctor? Elliot asked. Yes, it actually was, Dr. Berger said. Though, they still should have called first. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.